If you have a Bible, or if you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screen. We're going to turn to Genesis 41. Genesis 41. And if you don't know where the book of Genesis is, well, it's at the beginning of the Bible. It's the first book in the Bible. And man, it's cool to, to see people coming in who have no clue who Jesus is or what the Bible is and get saved at Victory. We're a church for all people. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to come here. We're glad you're here just the way you are. God's going to bring change and hope in your life. You know, Joseph had been through a lot. By this point, Joseph had been betrayed by his brothers, sold as a slave for $20, then he worked uh, in, this pot in Potiphar's house, this political leader's house, and then he's accused of a crime he didn't commit. He's thrown in jail. He sits in prison. It looks like it's going to be the end, and all of a sudden, he's called into the palace. He, he hears this dream from the king of Egypt, the pharaoh of the land. So this is like the president, and the president says, uh, I hear that you know how to interpret dreams. Joseph says, well, not me, but God can work through me, and he can bring the vision that you've had in your heart to pass. And so Joseph tells him what this dream means, that there's going to be seven years of abundance. Then there's going to be seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh says, what do we do? And Joseph says, I think you need to elect a leader that can help gather during the harvest. So that way we're ready when the famine comes. So at this point, Joseph finds himself outside of a huddle as Pharaoh and his leaders start to brainstorm who should we pick to be the leader for Egypt. Now, this leader is going to be the vice president of the country. The only one he will answer to is Pharaoh. Everyone else will do what he commands. And, and so Pharaoh is thinking about it. And we get to verse 38 of 41. And it says Pharaoh is turning to his guys and he says, listen, who could do this job better than Joseph? Obviously, the spirit of God is on Joseph's life. Now, I want to stop right there and just say today, we're going to look at a few lessons we can learn from this season of Joseph's life. This is the final season of Joseph. And one thing we can pick up is that Joseph was obviously set apart by God. He was obviously different than everybody else. Here he is. He is a man of God and godless people, wicked people can see there's something about Joseph. There is something about him that is different. He has an excellent spirit. He's about to go from being a prisoner to being a national leader. So here he is in prison clothes, and he's about to receive the robe of the king. Like everything's about to change for Joseph. The crazy thing is that God has been planning this moment since the beginning of Joseph's life. Can I tell you that God has been planning your promotion since the beginning of your life? Though things might seem dark and bleak, and it seems like the tunnel is never going to end, God has a due date for your destiny. God has a due date for your dream. He's just waiting for you to step into that place. And I love what Pharaoh says in verse, 40, uh, verse uh, 39 in chapter 41, turning to Joseph, Pharaoh says, since God has revealed the vision to you, I hereby, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And so the first point that I want to uh, look at in Joseph's season of this life is that he was a courageous leader. All of us in this room are called to lead. Whether you realize it or not, you are a leader. If you're breathing, you're a leader. You are an influencer. The question is, what kind of leader will you be? 
What kind of leader will you be in your home, on your campus, at your school, among your kids, with your parents, among your brothers and sisters? Joseph was a courageous leader. Today, I want to awaken the leader inside of you. Maybe you think you aren't a leader. For Joseph, he had been sitting in a prison and serving as a slave for 13 years. And all of a sudden, the leader was awakened. The dream was awakened. It's your time, Joseph. Some of you have been waiting for a dream to come to pass. And it's going to take courage to step up and be who God's called you to be. It says that in verse 44, Pharaoh began to change Joseph. He put a robe on him. He put a ring on him. He gave him authority. He gave him a, a chariot that he would ride. It was the fastest chariot besides Pharaoh's. And then in verse 45, Pharaoh changed changed Joseph's name to be Zaphonath Paneah. Now that's a tough name to say. I've been studying how to say it. Zaphonath Paneah, but here's what it means. It means that God is alive and God speaks. Pharaoh looked at Joseph and he says, your God is alive and your God speaks. Can people see that on you? Can people see that God is alive and that God is speaking through you? See, God doesn't just speak through preachers and prophets and evangelists. God speaks through moms and dads and college students and, and husbands and wives and businessmen and salesmen. He's looking for anyone who's willing to step up and take courage as a leader. By this time, Joseph was 30 years old. So he's surrounded by all these people who are older than him, who've been jockeying for this position to be a political leader in Egypt, all these other people who deserve this role, and yet Joseph is given this huge position. Isn't it crazy that God uses an outsider to come and lead the country? Joseph wasn't one of those guys that grew up in the political system. He wasn't taught by the Egyptians. He was a Hebrew boy, and yet God uses Joseph in this time to lead the country. See, you don't have to be intimidated by what family you grew up in. You don't have to be intimidated by how old or how young you are. If God has his hand on you, God's going to use you no matter what your age is, no matter what your language is, no matter what family you came from, no matter if you're in a prison today, God could put you in a palace tomorrow. When I was in college, I, I was looking for a job, and the only job available at that time was to serve as a janitor, and so I started serving as a janitor, working and picking up nachos in the baseball stadium and, and helping around the campus on, on uh, snow days, which there aren't many in Tulsa, but when they came, I'd be out at 5 a.m. salting the, the, uh, the, the walkways between the prayer garden of ORU, our campus, to the college classrooms, and, and so I'd be out there, and Little did I know during that time there was someone watching me. Now that sounds really creepy, but <laughs> I didn't know this. Two years later, this senior who was a couple years older than me named David Lawrence, he, he said, Paul, I've been watching you. I said, that's really weird, dude. What do you mean? He said, well, you know I'm in charge of this organization, and he was. He was in charge of the biggest student-led organization on our campus. It was called Ignite, and they would bring in people like John Maxwell to do leadership conferences at, at Oral Roberts University, and, and so he said, Paul, I've been watching you, and I know you're not part of our organization. There's 40 other people that have been waiting for this position, but I feel like I'm supposed to give it to you. I graduate this year, and I think you're supposed to be the president of this organization, and I'm like, no, dude, I am not a president material. Like, I am not a leader. I'm a little guy. I'm a nacho cleaner. And, you know, 
<laughs> I'm like, you don't, you don't want me. I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to mess it all up. He says, no, God's hand is on you. And I think about how oftentimes in our lives, we don't realize God's watching us even in the tough seasons that we're walking through. God has a due date for your promotion. You may not realize his eyes are on you and he's calling you. He's awakening the dream inside of you. He's awakening the leader inside of you. It says at the end of verse 45, after he got this new name, that Joseph took charge of the land. Everybody say, take charge. Now, Joseph had to bring some changes to Egypt that weren't easy. Even himself, he had to make changes. I think one of the, the lessons of courageous leadership is the ability to see beyond the present. Joseph knew that there was a day coming, even though things looked abundant right now, there was a famine that would come soon. And we have to prepare during the abundant times so that when the famine hits, we're not caught off guard. So Joseph began to instruct these people who were twice his age. He says, guys, I need you to bring food into the storehouse because we're going to hit a famine pretty soon here, and I want us to be ready. Joseph wasn't just thinking about himself. He was thinking about others. He was changing the game for Egypt. Everybody say change. change. See, courageous leadership is about change. Change equals growth. Growth equals pain. Joseph was changing Egypt. He was preparing them, and it wasn't easy. What happens when we don't prepare for change? Proverbs 27, 12 says that the, the, the prudent, the wise, they see danger coming and they take refuge, but the foolish keep going and they suffer for it. Both see the same thing, but they both respond differently. Both see that something bad is coming. The foolish think, well, today is not really connected to tomorrow, so I can do whatever I want today and tomorrow it'll just work itself out. But the wise understand that we've got to save now so that we can play later. We've got to prepare now so that we'll be okay later. Today is connected to tomorrow. So the wise prepare. They make changes to prepare for what's coming down the road. It would be like a tornado siren going off. And the tornado is 30 miles away. And you might think, well, it's 30 miles away. No big deal. I don't need to take refuge. I'll just wait till it gets here and just see how things go. <laughs> No, you take refuge before it gets here. You prepare before the famine comes. Joseph does this. There's a story in 1939 during the preparation for World War II. Hitler was taking over most of Eastern Europe. And he was coming to invade Poland. It was in October that he came and brought his German forces into Poland. Well, the Polish army wasn't ready. They were still operating with an 18th century style of warfare. So they were in all of their red coats. They're all marching together. They've got their guns. Germany comes in with tanks. They come in with planes. They come in with bombs, machine guns. They're in camouflage. They wipe out the Polish army in three weeks. Here's the lesson. Poland looked at change and they were afraid to do it. They were afraid to make changes. And because they failed to change and prepare for the day that they were facing, they lost the battle. If the church doesn't prepare for changes that are coming, we will have empty cathedrals around the world. Listen, I'm speaking to someone right now who's been afraid to make changes in your life. If you don't change now, it's going to be too late when the tornado gets to your house. Now, I'm not trying to be negative. Our best days are in front of us. But wise people, they make changes before the famine comes. Joseph prepared the people. 
Are you preparing? As a church, God spoke to me a few months ago and said, Paul, it's time to reach the nations. There's a vision that we're going to do as a church. We casted the vision. You saw it when you were walking through the halls today. Can you see it? You saw the posters that say six million people. As a church, we're preparing for a harvest to reach souls for Jesus. As a church, we're preparing to reach the next generation that's still not here yet. As a church, we're preparing to minister to families who have kids with special needs that aren't here yet, but millions of Americans Americans are waiting for a church that will prepare to help their family. We are that church. You know what God spoke to me about that vision? God said, this is a Joseph vision, Paul. Cast it to the church. May not see it right away. May not realize the need for it. But as time speeds up, that's why we're going on TV. As a church, we're already reaching millions of people on Hillsong Television, broadcasting in over 200 countries. Why are we doing it? We're preparing for the harvest of souls that are coming into the kingdom of God. See, now's not a time for the church and for Christians to just bunker down, like that guy said on the video, but it's a time for us to take ground. It's a time for us to advance the kingdom of God. The second thing we look at Joseph's uh, 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 life as a leader is that he walked in generosity. Joseph was a generous giver. See, there's something to be said about people who would walk in generosity. Look what Joseph does in Genesis 41, verse, uh, I believe it was verse 56. It says, so Joseph opened up the storehouses and he began to distribute grain to the Egyptians. Joseph began to give from what was in the storehouse. The famine hit, and the famine hit hard. And he began to help other people. But Joseph didn't just stop there. Joseph was a prepper who had a heart for humanity. He wasn't just storing up all of his stuff to see how long he could live on everything he had stored up. He was a man who said, I want to help more than just my family. I want to help more than just my country. See, I think one thing that's made America such a good country is that we've been able to be a blessing to other nations. Let us not forget that that is the Judeo-Christian values that we walk in, compassion, helping those that are in need. As a church, the only reason that we're still debt-free is because we've been a blessing to the nations of the earth. We were in Africa last week distributing the lights that you guys passed out. In fact, there was this little boy who came home every night to a house with no electricity, a, a mud hut that he lived in with his mom. And we showed up at their doorstep and we said, do you need light in your house? He sa they said, yes, because I have homework at night and I can't do my homework. I have no light, so I have to wait till the morning and get up early to do it. And we said, well, today, victory has brought light. Jesus has brought light to your house. We've got a picture up there of this little boy doing his homework now with the solar-powered lights that you help donate towards. You see, we come alive when we give. You make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. Joseph was a generous giver. Look what Joseph, the final point of Joseph is obviously forgiveness, but I want to focus on generosity. Look what Joseph did with his brothers before there's a reconciliation, before there's been any forgiveness exchanged yet. Look at Genesis 42, verse 25. It says that Joseph loaded up his brother's donkey's bags with tons and tons of grain. Then he gave the money back secretly. They didn't know who did it. He said, I'm not going to let my brothers pay for this meal. 
Have you ever been at a restaurant where somebody comps your meal and you're looking around trying to figure out who did it? Some of you guys have done that to me. I'm gonna catch you one of these days. But have you ever been there before? You ever been there? I mean, it's, it's so, it's crazy because you're trying to figure out, oh, who did this? I wanna pay him back. I wanna help him out. Joseph wouldn't tell his brothers. They never knew. He was the one who didn't let them pay for their meal. Joseph blessed them. See, a real generous person blesses even those who've cursed them. A generous person doesn't just bless those who deserve it. He blesses those who don't deserve it. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger while the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. We're trying to teach this to our oldest son, Liam, right now, who's two and a half years old. And uh, this last week, he was at a birthday party, and, and uh, he was grabbing all the toys. He wouldn't let any of the kids play with the toys. And so we had to put him in timeout. We said, Liam, you will have no friends if you don't learn how to share. <laughs> like, you're going to have to learn how to share these toys. These are meant to be shared with others. But how often in our life are we the ones that keep our fists closed when God's tugging on our heart? to give to those that are in need. You see, America is very small compared to the rest of the world. 300 million people in this nation, and only a percentage of those people in this nation have air conditioning, or a car, or a place to live. Did you know that 90 plus percent of the world lives on less than $2 a day? And oftentimes we're so slow to let God use what we have to bless others. As a church, I wanna applaud you because you have been some of the most generous people even during difficult times. Thank you for living with your hands open. See, if we'll live with our hands open, God will continue to bring things into our lives so that we can be a blessing. God blesses us to be a blessing to others. That's what it's all about, not for us, Joseph was constantly generous. I can tell you more and more. Look at Genesis 43, verse 16. Joseph blesses his family once again. He brings them into his house, lets them sit at his table, gives them the biggest meal, gives water for their donkeys. This is still before he's forgiven them. And we find at the end of Genesis that Joseph said, God sent me here to serve you. God sent me here to bless you. God sent me here to help others. What a generous mindset, but you don't de develop a generous soul with a bitter heart. You don't develop a generous lifestyle with a stingy mindset. You got to continually keep your hands open. I want to show you guys real quickly what God did through your seeds this last week while we were in Africa. Check this out. Well, we're here to Love God and love people. That's our mission at Victory. The Bible uh, reiterates over and over that those who bless the poor will be blessed by God. You would light up this part of Rwanda with your love, with your grace, with your salvation and healing power. And that each child would know that the light of the world has come to their village.
Hey Victory, I'm right here in Rwanda, Africa with Josephine and Augustine. They had no electricity or light at all, but Victory, you helped bring the light to the dark right here in Rwanda. We are so grateful. Thank you for giving, Victory. We love you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Victory, for believing in reaching people beyond just our hometown and all the nations of the earth. The gospel is being preached. God bless you. Praise God. We don't realize how good we have at church. The last night we were in Rwanda, during the message as I was preaching, this Muslim teenage boy started coming towards the stage. He was wearing a, a long robe and he had a hat on. He was very serious. And he started pressing through the crowd. And one of our guys said, hey, Paul, should we do something? You never know these days what might happen. And, and so we were very watchful. But he came down to the stage and he took his hat off. And he said, I'm ready to be a Christian. I want your God. I want to believe in Jesus. That night he took his robe off and that picture of Ramazani holding up a This New Life book right there. He is a different man because of your generosity. Because of your generosity today, that young boy is saved. That's part of our Can You See It vision. It's about connecting people to God, equipping people with the word of God in the school, reaching out to the nations of the earth. Victory, we are not slowing down. We are taking ground. We are advancing the kingdom of God and the violent take it by force. I wanna do something right now. I wanna challenge you before this last point that I'm gonna preach on forgiveness. I wanna challenge us right now to sow into what God's doing through this ministry. Maybe you don't normally give. If it's your first time to Victory Today, you're a guest, you don't have to do this unless God prompts you to. But for those of us who are regularly here, even if you're facing a need, I wanna challenge you to pray about this week, sowing a seed into what God's doing in the earth through this ministry. Your seeds are making a difference. At the end of your row, there's envelopes. We're gonna pass these down right now, and then I'm gonna preach the last point but I want you to take a moment to just imagine a person's life being impacted by your seeds. Josephine and Augustine, they were impacted by your seeds with the solar lights. But you know what was really cool too? We were with them, we said, Josephine, Augustine, do you guys have clean water? They said, no, we, we don't have clean water. We go down to the river and we, we get buckets and we just drink the water that's here. Well, we got these solar powered water purifiers that we brought that you guys donated for. Y'all didn't even know it, but we were able to use some of the finances to get some of these and give them out. They're able to serve 10 families. They last up to 10 years. You, you leave them in the sunlight, these little purifiers, small little boxes 
All you need is salt, and they have enough salt over there. So they take a little bit of salt. Then after it's been sitting in the sun, they turn it over, put the salt in. They can put dirty water in there, leave it in there for one minute. Then it begins to boil it, create chlorine. They pour it into a 20-gallon bucket, and in 20 minutes, that entire bucket is clean water. We showed it to them right on the spot. They were smiling, laughing. They were drinking the water, and it was clean. And as a church, we're bringing the living water physically and spiritually. We're bringing the light physically and spiritually. You're making a difference in people's lives. There are people you won't meet until you get to heaven that you had an impact on because you decided, you know, I wanna give into what God's doing in the earth. While I'm here on earth, I wanna give into what God's doing. Lord, I pray right now for every seed that's being sown, let it go and grow. Lord, let people far and close be touched with your word and your hope and your love. God, as we're filling out our envelopes, watching online, giving online, Lord, as we're sowing towards these solar lights and, and water that's being given and all the different things you're doing through the Can You See It vision, I pray, God, that you would use us to be a blessing. Bless us to be a blessing. Remind us where it all came from, that it's all from you anyways. Help us to keep our hands open, God, to keep trusting in you, that you have our back. You're gonna take care of our needs. Lord, we're gonna seek first your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The ushers are gonna step out to receive the offering. As they do, I wanna preach the final point. Three things we can take away from this season of Joseph. One, he was a courageous leader. Two, he gave generously. And three, he chose to forgive. He chose to forgive. You see, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is not, I feel like forgiving you. Forgiveness is always a choice. Joseph had to choose this. It would be a process for him. In fact, his brothers came in Genesis 42. And immediately in verse 6, it says that Joseph recognized his brothers as they came asking for grain. They didn't recognize him. He looked different. He wasn't the same guy that they remembered 23 years ago. Isn't that crazy that 23 years had passed from when Joseph had left his brothers? 23 years. Can't imagine how his face had changed, maybe his body. Here now he had lived in Egypt. He was speaking the Egyptian language. He was probably wearing some Egyptian clothing. The brothers didn't even recognize him. There will be times in your life where people will not even recognize you because you've changed so much for the better. But you'll recognize them and you will think that you have forgiven them. And then when you see them again, all the memories start coming back. Oh, it was like Joseph remembered his dream. He remembered when he was 17 years old. You guys threw me in a pit. I screamed for help. I begged for mercy. You sold me for $20. You tried to get rid of me. You see, Joseph doesn't immediately forgive them when he sees them. It's a process. Look at Genesis 45 verse 1. All of the brothers are now in front of him. He's facing his betrayers. He's facing the ones who sold him. He's facing the ones who abandoned him. He's facing the ones who caused him to go through this entire trial and tribulation, being a prisoner, being a slave, but eventually becoming the leader of this country. 
all of the emotions are rising up. He can't handle it. In verse one, he says, out, all of you. He only wanted his brothers in the room. You see, forgiveness is meant to be a private act. You don't go on Facebook and tell everyone about what someone did to you. You don't tell everyone how your brothers offended you. I'm so mad at victory. I'm just kidding. Y'all wouldn't do that. <laughs> but oftentimes we feel the need to pull all these other people into our offenses. Joseph said, no one needs to know about this. It's between me and my brothers. In fact, Pharaoh never finds out. Joseph makes the, his brothers look incredible in front of all the other Egyptians. The only ones who know are Joseph and his brothers. He keeps it in his journal until the day comes that Moses pulls it out and begins to write the book of Genesis. But for the longest time, this was a family reconciliation. And Joseph looks at his brothers in verse two of Genesis 45, and he breaks down and begins to weep. <laughs> I am Joseph. His brothers were stunned. They were speechless. They're looking at him. I imagine Joseph taking off the Egyptian wig. They hadn't heard him speak Hebrew yet. For three chapters, he had been only speaking the Egyptian language. All of a sudden, they recognize, oh my gosh, could that be our brother? Is that the one that we tried to kill? Joseph begins to weep. For 15 verses, nobody says anything but Joseph. It was the speech that left everyone speechless. His brothers didn't know what to say. <laughs> you sold me. You betrayed me. <laughs> you were my family. <laughs> God saved me. You abandoned me, but God adopted me. And I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. It says that Joseph got up and he hugged each of his 11 brothers. He squeezed them tight and he wept on their shoulders. They didn't say a word. He just hugged them. I forgive you. I forgive you, Reuben. I forgive you, Simeon. I forgive you, Levi. <laughs> I forgive you, Gad. I forgive you, Judah. <laughs> one by one, he forgave his brothers. When I read this, I just, every time I read this part, I cry. This whole part of Joseph's life, this was what it was all about, the final test. The final test. You will have this test this week. The test to forgive. Because true leadership 
is the ability to forgive those who least deserve it. Can God trust you to forgive your enemies? Forgiveness is like setting a prisoner free only to realize that the prisoner was you all along. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping for the other person to die. One of my favorite songs that's out right now, is, it's called Forgiveness by Matthew West. I didn't know the story behind the song. And I, I, I heard it this week that Matthew was inspired by this mom, Renee. One day, her sister came to her doorstep and said, your daughter's been in a car accident. A drunk driver hit her and she died immediately. Her sister had to break the news to her that her daughter, her 20-year-old girl, died instantly. The mom just collapsed. Renee said, I was so angry. I wanted to kill this guy. He lived. He was perfectly fine. He walked away without a scratch. The judge sentenced him to 22 years in prison. She said, Eric was behind bars, but I felt like I was the one in prison. I was so bitter. I wanted him to burn in hell for taking my baby girl. Eric was devastated in the court. He said, please, I, I wish that I would have died. I wish I would have died. I wish it would have been me. I, I'm sorry I took your daughter. I wish it would have been me. She wouldn't forgive him. She was angry. Years went by and God began to work on her heart. She realized, I can't keep living in this prison of rage, this prison of bitterness. She was still going to church, but she was bitter. The day came where she worked up the courage. She went to the prison. She said, Eric, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. She said Eric became like a son to her. She took him in and she would visit him weekly, praying for him, loving on him, ministering to him. He would weep every time she came and she would just tell him, I forgive you, Eric. I forgive you. I forgive you. It hurts not to have my baby girl, but Eric, you're like a spiritual son to me. The day came where Renee and her husband and 10 of her family members pleaded with the judge to cut Eric's sentence in half. The judge was stunned. He said, you want me to cut his sentence in half? And they did. Today, Eric and Renee travel from high school to high school, preaching the gospel, warning kids not to drink and drive, and talking about forgiveness. God has done an incredible work between Renee and Eric and that family. I want you to stand on your feet all over this room today. Joseph is a great man, but he's just a shadow of our savior. You see, Jesus had to, he had to forgive his betrayers. He had to forgive those who hurt him, those who killed him. Jesus gives us that example to forgive those who've hurt us. He says, forgive those just as I have forgiven you. You see, as long as we're holding on to unforgiveness, we have a you owe me mentality. You owe me. You owe me. You owe me. But to forgive is to let go of the debt because you realize how much debt you've been forgiven by God. It's to realize, wow, how could I hold on to bitterness when I deserve the worst punishment for my sins against God? I believe today, right now, Many of you, God is quickening your heart to forgive someone. He's quickening your heart. Maybe it's to forgive a mom, a coach, a teacher, someone who hurts your kids.
someone who hurt you when you were a kid, an uncle, an aunt, maybe your wife, your ex, your husband, maybe your son, your daughter. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's an organization. Maybe it's a church. And maybe you've been carrying it around and it's been so hard, it's weighing on you. Maybe here today you've blamed God. In some way, it's like you hold God responsible for where you're at. You hate it and you're angry and you're bitter at God for whatever thing you're walking through right now. Maybe it's a sickness or something. God's not your problem. He's not the author of bad. He sure knows how to turn it all around for good. And that was Joseph's final word, Genesis 50, verse 20. He said, you meant evil, but God turned it around for good. Today, God's wanting to turn things around for you. It starts with forgiveness. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. Think about that. Do you need to forgive someone? Do you need to forgive yourself? Maybe you've been holding yourself in a prison for the mistakes you've made. Others have forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven you. You hold it over your head. Today, the love of Jesus is knocking on your heart to open up and allow him to start the process to forgive, to change, to allow God to truly be Lord of your life with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to make a decision to forgive today, I want you to just slip your hand up all over this room. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, 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 ma'am, yes. Yeah, wow, all over the room, front to back. Don't leave today still in chains, still in shackles. Let God take it off today. Yeah, is there anyone else today? You need to receive forgiveness. You need to receive forgiveness for yourself. Mistakes you've made, sins you've committed. Secondly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I know God's got a calling on my life to lead like Joseph, but I've been walking through a lot of seasons and I'm not at that leadership season yet. I'm trying to hold on to the dream. I'm trying to hold on to the vision, but it's hard. And maybe you're here today and you just need hope to hold on. You know God has that fulfillment, that due date for your destiny. Today you're waiting, you're waiting and you need patience. You need the ability to let go of fear, the ability to let go of, uh, 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 of bitterness, of, of anger, of resentment, disappointment. Today, if that's you, I want you to slip your hand up. I want to pray for some people today that are waiting in a season for that promotion, waiting in a season for that due date for your dream. Lastly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I don't really know if I'm right with God. I don't know if I'd really go to heaven if I died today. I, I need to surrender to Jesus Christ. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, this is the best decision you could make today. Just slip your hand up all over this room, wherever you're at. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Today, we're going to celebrate every person that's saying, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to let Jesus be Lord of my life. Here's what we're going to do. On the count of three, everyone who raised their hands today, I want you to make a bold step towards this altar. You're going to get up from your seat. You're going to meet me down here because today, God's going to bring healing. He's going to bring victory. He's going to give you the strength to forgive. Today, the process begins. It's going to be beautiful. You ready? One, two, three. Just leave your seat. Come down to this altar. Bring it down. Bring all the pain. Bring all the bitterness. Bring all the strife. 
bring all the bitterness, bring all the unforgiveness today. You're saying, I surrender, I surrender. I choose to forgive. You are a modern day Joseph today. Forgive your brothers, forgive your sisters, forgive your parents, forgive your children, forgive your uncle, forgive that church, forgive that pastor, forgive that teacher. Today, you are stepping out of your prison cell. You are walking in freedom. You are starting a process of healing for your soul. In Jesus' name. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. There's still people coming. They're still coming. They're still coming. Healing for your marriage. Forgiveness between you and your spouse, between you and your dad. I feel like God's wanting to restore relationships between sons and dads and daughters and dads. Daughters and moms, sons and moms. Maybe you're with your child right now and there's been strife. I don't know, maybe you just wanna lean over and say, you wanna go down to that altar? You wanna do that today? Don't be ashamed. When we were in Rwanda, it was beautiful to see the, the forgiveness that's happened from the genocide. In 1994, many people were killed. The Hutu tribe killed the Tutsi tribe. A million people died in less than 90 days. Today, you wouldn't even know there's been fights between them. It's like they're so loving each other. They're so united. You can't find out who's a Hutu and who's a Tutsi. You say, what tribe are you? They say, I'm Rwandan. I'm Rwandan. I'm all part of the family. We're all brothers and sisters. We are Rwandans. It's beautiful. And I believe God wants to bring that kind of racial forgiveness in our country, that kind of love, that brother and sister, that we let go of the prejudice, the pride, the camps, the classes, and we become one family. I'm a child of God. God's wanting to heal your heart of the pain of your past. I wanna say this before we dismiss today. Joseph died at age 110. He stepped into the leadership position at age 30. Do the math. He had 80 years of seeing his dream fulfilled, living in harmony with his brothers at age 39, getting to see his dad, watching his dad Jacob bless his two children, getting to see his family grow up. The joys of your future will swallow up the pain of your past. Your latter days will be greater than your former days. I know you walked through a lot of pain, but you're not a victim, you're a victor. It's time to look ahead. Your best days are still in front of you. Lord, I pray right now for every person in this room that hope is rising, joy is rising. God, that your best days are still in front of us. Lord, we're gonna lean in. We're gonna forgive those who've hurt us. We're gonna allow you to work inside of our soul. God, we know there's no event, no person, no thing that could stop or thwart your providential plan on our lives. God, I thank you as we've learned from the life of Joseph that you have a destiny for each one of us in this room. You've not forgotten about us even when others forgot about us. You've not abandoned us even when others abandoned us. And you're strengthening our hearts to forgive those who've hurt us the worst. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I repent of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I receive your forgiveness and I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. Thank you, Jesus, 
that my future is bright. My latter days will be greater than my former days because you live in me. You are for me, God, and you never leave me nor forsake me. In Jesus' name, amen.